Perhaps you've been considering working with a coach, but how do you start? In this episode, we discuss when to consider coaching, how it might help, and the best way to begin. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 668. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. Leaders aren't born, they're made. And this weekly show helps you discover leadership wisdom through insightful conversations. One of the emails that I get fairly regularly from our members and listeners is a question like, I'm thinking about maybe working with a coach. Where do I start? Who would you recommend? What are some things I should be thinking about as far as working with a coach? And today, a conversation about executive coaching and working with a coach. What can you expect? How do you track down the right person? What are some things you should be thinking about as you begin that process? And how do you really make it work for you? And I am so glad to welcome two guests today who both are in a role that I think will really help us with some wonderful perspective on how to engage a coach and how to make that a great relationship for both of you. I'm pleased to welcome Scott Osman and Jacqueline Lane. Scott is the founder of and CEO of the 100 Coaches Agency and co-designer with Jacqueline of their proprietary curation process and the company's relationship-first philosophy. In his role as CEO, he establishes the vision for the company, leads partnerships and business development, and serves as a leading light of the 100 Coaches community, which he co-founded with Marshall Goldsmith in 2016. Jacqueline Lane is the president of the 100 Coaches Agency. She has been with the agency since its founding and is a critical pillar of the 100 Coaches community. She comes to the world of executive coaching through her previous roles in the energy industry and lifelong commitment to improving the lives of all people by elevating the quality of leadership. They, along with Marshall Goldsmith, are the authors of Becoming Coachable, Unleashing the Power of Executive Coaching to Transform Your Leadership and Life. Scott, Jacqueline, welcome. What a pleasure to have you on. Thank you. We're so excited to be here. So great to be here with you. Well, this is a question, as I mentioned, I get from folks who reach out. And before we get into some of the like logistics and how to think about this, I'm thinking about this through the lens of someone who's maybe thought about working with a coach. They've identified some things they'd like to get better at. What would be an indicator or two or three maybe that someone as a leader might benefit from the support of a coach? Well, you know, honestly, so I, I got into coaching a little bit late. I met Marshall about eight years ago, and I didn't know anything about coaching. It was really not on my radar. And since then, of course, I've become very uh, deep in that whole world. But it wasn't until about two years ago that I even thought I needed a coach. Until then, I had been meeting coaches and thinking about coaching and everything else. And then I realized um, I met a great coach, and I realized that my even my thinking I didn't need a coach was constraining the potential of what I could do and create. And when I found the right coach, the possibilities just became incredibly expansive. Um, and I and I mentioned that because now that I'm deep in the world of coaching, I see the work that our coaches do. And of course, our coaches are among the best coaches in the world at the 100 Coaches Agency. My firm belief is everybody benefits from a coach. Every leader benefits from a coach. But in particular, 
leaders who create value at moments of inflection really need a coach. Right? If you're if you're a leader and you're just going along and you're not trying to grow the company and things are are not changing around you, probably can do okay without a coach. But if you're the kind of leader who is at a point at a juncture in the career or in the arc of the company where things are changing, then a coach is invaluable. And I'm sure we'll talk about why that's the case on this uh, in our conversation. Mm. I've noticed when people have reached out to me about coaching, there's there's often a process of sort of articulating what it is that they really want to gain from a coach. And that's often one of the questions that I'll ask first is, well, if you did engage a coach, what would that do for you? And I find that not everyone, but a lot of folks have a hard time kind of narrowing down what do they really want to come out of that relationship. And I'm wondering if you have a suggestion or two for us of thinking about, like, if I'm at that inflection point, maybe I'd benefit from a coach. What's helpful to do for clarifying for yourself what you want to get out of it, maybe even before you start that conversation? Yeah, it's it's a great question, and it requires a certain amount of self-reflection and understanding the situation you find yourself in, the situation your company is in. So we always recommend that people do some of that thinking in advance. Of course, sometimes it, you, you might not even have clarity about what it is that you're looking to do or where you're wanting to go. And for a number of people, then just starting that process of having conversations with coaches begins the process of opening up your mind and your eyes to seeing some of the possibilities that might exist. So we always recommend if, you, if you're getting stuck and you're not making progress on your own, that might be a good time to bring in another thinking partner and collaborator just to, to bounce ideas off of. Yeah. I, I'd also add to that. There's kind of two general buckets of what people look for in coaching. Number one, there's an issue that they're having trouble navigating and they want support getting through that, whether it's behavioral or relationships or even maybe strategic. Uh, so they, they've come through a bit of a rough patch. They understand that they're having some issues. The other one is people who recognize that they're not growing as fast as they want to. Or, and this is super common, that they recognize that they have blind spots. And by the nature of blind spots, they have no idea what they are. Ah. And they they see their way to recognizing that a coach can help them find the obstacles that are hidden from their own view. Uh, and those are great opportunities for coaching. Yeah. Another thing I would add is that we don't actually view coaching as a remedial exercise. Mm -hmm. I think there has maybe historically been a perception that coaching is something you seek out when you are in trouble or something is not going well. But we would actually argue that one of the best times to seek out coaching is when things are going well and you realize that they could be even better. You know, why not build on success with with continued growth and success? Mm, indeed. I'm so glad you said that, Jacqueline, because my perception is that that has really changed in the last 10 or 15 years. Like you said, early on when coaching first started to become a thing, there was a little bit more of that like, okay, if you have a coach, like you don't want to talk about it too much, <laughs> right? And now it's almost, there's still some of that, but it's almost the the opposite. It's what you and Scott have just said. It's it's really looking at it more of a, yes, there may be some things I'm working on, but it's more of a, a, a strategic opportunity. It's, it's the kind of thing that, yeah, I, lots of leaders are doing for their professional development. Exactly. And uh, our friend, collaborator, and co-author, Marshall Goldsmith, has really paved the way, I think, in helping people recognize that having a coach is a badge of honor. And uh, most of the people that work with Marshall are very proud to claim him as their coach. And 
talk about it and things like books and articles and podcasts. It's yeah, you know, it's a, it's a funny thing. Coaching someone who is having difficulty and helping them through the difficulty so that they can be a solid performer has one return on investment. But coaching someone who's already a high performer and making them a higher performer has an even more extraordinary return on that investment. Mm. And we we do like focusing on helping extraordinary leaders reach their fullest potential. Thinking about potential, you know, who you work with really does make a difference, right? The perfect coach for me might not be the right fit for you, Scott, and vice versa, right? And mm -hmm. I know one of the big challenges, and I would say even stopping points, having talked with some folks is like, okay, I sort of know I could benefit from this. I get it. I'm bought into the idea of doing this, but I'm like, I'm not even sure where to start. Where do I go? How do I reach out? And I, I, I'm curious what you would suggest as someone who's thinking about this, who doesn't necessarily have a coach in their network, or maybe if they do, like, oh, I'm not sure if that's the right person. What would be the methodology to go a uh, about as far as thinking about like how do I even find someone and what's the kind of background you may want to be thinking of or at least conscious of of who you might engage as a coach? Yeah, such a great question, and we get that question all the time. In fact, in some ways, the Hundred Coaches Agency was founded to answer that question. Originally, you know, we had created the Hundred Coaches Community, and people were calling looking for coaches. I was just sort of casually making recommendations. And then realize that there's a structured process that we innovated, which we call curation, that we do. But I think that anybody can mimic it on their own. And it starts with discovery, which is understanding, in our case, we listen to the person, understand what they're looking for. So it starts with just a little bit of reflection about what you're looking for in a coach and understanding what that is. And then you want to find three different coaches each of whom will address the issues that you're thinking about, but possibly from a different point of view and different life experience. So for example, um, if your issue is, say, some behavioral issue, you might want to have a coach who's got a background in therapy. You may want another coach who's got a background in having executive experience, um, and a third coach that is just a you know traditional coach. And those three different approaches to addressing your problem will give you insights into how you want to how you want to be coached. I think from our perspective, we always want to work with coaches that have a meaningful amount of experience. In our case, it's often five to ten years, but depending on your budget, it could be somewhat less. But but be with a coach that has worked with people like you in the past. And I think if you create that kind of diversity and then do a chemistry call with each of the three, invest the time in meeting at least three people. Um, again, we think that the return of investment just in having those three calls is enormous because you're going to learn more about coaching and about yourself and get a little more of a nuanced sense of what coaching can do for you by the end of the calls. Mm. And then make your choice and should be good to go. And I think like how interesting, I hadn't really thought about it from the standpoint of just having those three calls helps you to really actually get movement already and thinking about how to approach it. And as you said, it's not that you're hiring three people, but you're looking at three different perspectives that at this moment, okay, this perspective seems like it's the right one for me right now. And so like part of that is just that sense. And I'm curious, Scott, thinking about that, as as you show up for a chemistry call like that and have an initial conversation, what if anything, when you see people like a leader come to that conversation who gets a lot out of that, who really does come away with that perspective, whether they hire the coach or not, 
What, if anything, do they do to prepare for that conversation or or do in that conversation that really helps them to get there? Yeah, it's such an important question. And I think the most important thing that an executive can bring to that conversation is openness. You know, in part of this process, since we're recommending it, is to really have a variety of different backgrounds and experiences and expertises. And all of that is going to to inform you more about yourself. And I think just the openness to hear what they have to say, to believe that there are some alternative solutions out there, and just to, to get another person's thinking is a really powerful way to explore. So of course, if you have done some of that pre-work, as we had just have mentioned earlier, like thinking about what it is that you're looking to accomplish and do, of course, bring that up with the coach. But really, the coach is also trying to figure out if it's the right fit for them. And so the more honest and frank you can be about what it is that you need or are looking for, what would be the metrics of success for you, what are some of your own preferences, what's going to feel like the right uh, cadence of speaking or the type of, of involvement you want, any clarity that you can provide is really useful for that coach to make sure that you are getting the experience that you're looking for. And it's also going to be the right fit for them, too. It's really about partnership. None of us yeah. do this alone. Yeah. You might also think about, remember, I think the first time I met Marshall and he he said, you know, what do you want to work on? Now, Marshall never has never coached me. And I and I probably listed five things. And he he like looked at me and goes, pick one. Is changing one thing is really hard. Mm. Um, and I think if you come to that first meeting with the one thing that is really the most important thing for you to work on and see how the coach works with you on that in that sort of kind of like a sample coaching session mm -hmm. uh, that delivers some great insights. Mm. That's so key, right? To be able to zero in on just that, that mm. one thing. Okay. So one other thing I'm curious about too, is the thinking about background of coaches and who you connect with or don't or, or talk with. There's been a lot, I know, in the coaching world amongst coaches of like the importance or the value of coaching certifications. And I think some people, I think people are generally aware that those exist who are looking to hire coaches. I know this is widely debated in the coaching world. I'm curious more so from the perspective of someone who might be considering a coach, how much should people be thinking about that, looking for things like certifications and particular kinds of training or are other things more important? I'm just kind of curious, like how you think about that. From our perspective, experience, uh, experience coaching seems to be more important than certifications, though it's certainly not a bad thing to have certifications and understand different modalities and approaches. And certainly uh, if someone has a strong preference towards a certain modality or their company has a preference, then it's it's not a bad idea to look for that. But by no means is it necessary. And especially if a coach will have at least five to 10 years of experience coaching, they probably have multiple modalities that they uh, have used in the past. But again, that's I think that experience to us feels a little bit yeah, more relevant. I, th I think it also, it varies. Interestingly, we're working at the very highest end of coaching. And at the very highest end of coaching, we're not concerned with certification at all. In the in the middle range, in the middle range, certification certainly provides an indication of a seriousness and a and at least a an amount of training that makes the person like you know the person has the skill set to be a good coach but at the end of the day just having the skill set really is not going to make them the coach that you need 
And so it's a good it's a good way of vetting people to see, you know, if the person is relatively novice and they're trained as a coach, you can have some comfort in that, but still you have to have the rigor of, is this person the right coach for me? If they have a lot of experience without the coach training, there's a good chance they're also an excellent coach. I'm glad you mentioned that distinction too of the high end of coaching and more of that middle range. Um, we've had so many of the hunter coaches on the show. I've dozens and dozens of folks have been mm. guests over the years, which is amazing. And I, I'm sort of curious as we think about this from someone who's thinking about engaging a coach. What's that distinction between that? higher range and maybe that middle range of coaching as far as what that looks like logistically thinking about it like just scope and time frame i'm kind of curious how that plays out in the world because we do have well we have listeners who are in both of those categories Mm -hmm. yeah i think the uh the coaches at the very high end uh well actually let me just preface by it's never about time in fact i think it's fair to say that the coaches at the highest end probably spend the least amount of time with their clients they're incredibly efficient. They recognize that the time of the client is the most expensive part of coaching. And part of what the client is getting from a super elite coach is the ability to very quickly get to the issue and support and remedy it. So from that perspective, it's very different. And a lot of that just comes from the experience of coaching for decades mm. or the experience of having a combination of coaching for decades and having been in the executive suite. And that's that's really a lot of what people are getting. And then just... There's just certain magic in great coaches that they have insights into individuals and what's going on with the individual combined with, gosh, it's hard to even describe, but the magic of being able to say the thing the person needs to hear to be able to make the transformation they need to make. So that's the very, very high end. Coaches in the middle range are really great, in some cases, great mirrors and are able to reflect back and cause the coachee to think about the issues they need to think about to be able to make the changes they need to make. Right. And this goes back to your question earlier about certifications, Hmm. is that coaches at the very highest level, they often know enough. I mean, they'll often know about different modalities and methods. They're well-read, they're well-educated, they're very experienced, but that allows them to also throw all that training out the window in some ways. And to basically walk into in some what might some might say is uncharted territory, but that's what the high end of coaching really looks like: is that they have this really experienced intuition and really know, again, as Scott said, how to say the right thing at the right time, and it's they get incredible results very quickly. And in some ways, almost um, they start to look a little bit more like coach advisors in many yeah. ways. You know, I also just want to make sure that we're we're clear: high end coaching, mid range coaching. Coaching is incredibly valuable for any valuable for any leader. You know, some of the greatest issues that leaders face are leadership is lonely. When you're a leader, you're not getting the clear information about what's going on in the organization because you know you have the ability to fire people. It's just a different kind of relationship. And all coaches are going to help you see things that you can't see, particularly things about yourself. You know, a lot of coaching starts with a 360. And while 360s are often described by many as one of the most painful experiences of their lives, I actually think it's one of the most glorious experiences because it's one of the few times that you actually get to see yourself in all candor. And once you see yourself with candor, you can make decisions about what you want to work on and not work on. And I I think that alone is just such a magical experience. 
that sounds like a key thing to be ready for, to know that that's probably coming. And I'm, I'm curious too, like, what does this look like today as far as duration, venue? What would you expect as far as how a coach shows up and works with you and time frame? I know that varies somewhat, but I, I get a sense there's also some general things you might watch for and expect around that too. Even before the pandemic, it was pretty common for a lot of executive coaching to happen virtually over, let's say, Zoom or Teams or other video conferencing. And now in the post-pandemic world, that's become even more the norm, uh, that it's really about finding that resource is the right fit for you, regardless of location or time zone. Of course, uh, some people will meet up in person once or twice over the course of a coaching engagement. Uh, especially if they happen to be passing through the same city or or something along those lines. But yeah, more and more things are happening virtually. Uh, we, we'd say as a kind of a general rule of thumb, if people plan for either one session every week or maybe one coaching session every other week as kind of a more normal cadence. Yeah, typically the weekly sessions are often about an hour and the biweekly sessions go for a couple hours. I think often the cadence of them, it depends on the sort of the acuity of what you're working on. If you're working on something that, you know, you need to work on every week and make the change and hold on to that accountability, then the weekly sessions are really productive. If you're looking to work on something that's a little bit more strategic for yourself, then having the space of two weeks to sort of make the changes that were talked about uh, in the coaching session or just see how things are playing out, then the every other week is viable. But but really, that's something we don't even get involved in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the coach and the coachee decide whether it's the right cadence for them. Yeah. Hmm. And I'm I'm interested in the because uh, I think this is one of those things that seems very like all over the place and kind of like nebulous to people, especially if they're doing coaching for the first time, which is the fee question. And I I know this very so much. Like every coach is different, every organization's different. I'm wondering, like. As I think about this, especially if I'm working with a coach for the first time, what hat do I put on as far as how I think about fees and what to navigate around that or what to expect? I'm just curious if you have any general advice for us on just thinking about that lens of it, because it's a, it's a reality. Yeah, we should specify, too, that most of the work that we see, the companies recognize the extraordinary value that coaching creates, and it's really the company that's investing in the coaching for their leaders. So of course, if someone is looking to find coaching out of pocket, that becomes kind of a different equation. But we'll share from our perspective, the company, again, is in many ways the primary value receiver when it comes to coaching. And so there are two things that we're always really encouraging people to take into consideration, which is the the value creation potential of the leader who's looking for coaching. So again, if this is someone who's the head of a major sales organization with a billion dollar P&L, that's someone who represents a lot of value to the company. And so them operating at their maximum efficiency is really important and has a big ripple effect throughout their organization. And similarly, as Scott said earlier, it's also about whatever inflection point they're facing. Perhaps they're going through a major transformation of some kind or market disruption or some other thing that is, you know, poses a challenge or opportunity for them. And if they navigate that inflection point well, it's likely to have a big financial upside 
for both for them personally, perhaps, and the company. And similarly, if it's not navigated well, it's a it's a potential risk. And so when you take those factors into account, what again, that value creator potential and that inflection point, that starts to give you a sense of what the value return on coaching might be. I think that's a great starting point. That's how we work with all of our clients, is we say, you know, based on the role and level of the individual and the size and impact in the company, combined with the level of experience of the coach, we come up with a number we think is a reasonable number based on value. But then we always tell them, but your budget is your budget. And so we respect the fact that if someone's budget is different than the recommended amount, that they let us know and we find a coach that's willing to work with the budget. So I would say to anybody looking for a coach, if you're obviously if the company is underwriting it, then find out what the budget is for coaching. And and when you have the conversation with the company, talk about it from a value creation point of view, not for a cost per hour. And then when you go in and interview coaches, just tell them up front, this is my budget and save yourself and the coach some time in, you know, because you don't want to really talk to a coach that can't work at the budget that you have. And the other invitation I'm hearing you make there too, Scott, is that if you haven't thought about it through the lens of the organization making that investment to be thinking that way as well. I, for our academy, the vast majority of members in our academy are funded by their organizations. And it's interesting that sometimes people come to us and they are ex- examining something like the academy and they sometimes they've decided to pay on their own or something that that is perfectly great but it's interesting how sometimes people haven't thought about it from the standpoint of oh this is an investment the organization should be making because they are getting a big return and so thinking about that through the lens of both of you have said value and thinking like what does this potentially do and what does this replicate as far as value for the organization is like we would in any sort of executive strategic decision making This is very similar in that way. Yeah, it's like what Jacqueline said before. I don't think there's anything embarrassing about going to the company and saying, I want to deliver more value for the company. I believe that I'm I'm an excelling, important employee. I want to deliver even more value, and I think a coach will help me do that. That's something at the very least, even if they say no, you've indicated the company that you aspire to do more for the company. Mm. Don't think of it as you have to, you don't have to go to the company and say, you know, I'm failing and I need a coach so that I'm not going to fail. It's really, you're really going to the company and saying, hey, I feel like I'm doing great, but I want to do better. You both write about this in the book, and I'm quoting you, a study by Metrics Global commissioned by a Fortune 500 company backs this up. The study found that a f- there are a 529% financial return on investment from coaching in addition to intangible benefits. When employee retention attributed to better leadership is thrown into the mix, that number rises to 788%. Some studies have reported even higher returns. The business case for coaching is absolutely been made over the years. I mean, we know much more about this than we did 10, 15 years ago. And it really does make a difference in the right situation. And if you do your homework on these things, doesn't it? Absolutely. It's funny, of course, the return on the coaching investment is a factor of how much money the coaching costs and how important the leader is within the organization. You can imagine the CEO of a Fortune 500 company that's responsible for, I don't know, $100 billion company, if that leader can be made incrementally more productive, better leader, 
solving problems, the cost of coaching, however high it is, is incidental, right? So the number, I think that number of 500x or 700x return, percent to return is an average. But I think in individual cases of value creating leaders at inflection points, it's dramatically more. There's a quote in the book that's repeated a few times, and the quote is, slow is smooth and smooth is fast. And I was thinking about that in the relation to starting to work with a coach, because I think that there's an orientation there that's helpful. I'm wondering if you could share a bit about the quote and the meaning behind it. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a quote, I believe, in, that's often used in the context of the military, where it talks about sometimes the best thing you can do to move quickly is to slow down. That if you go, if you try to take a turn in your car at a speed that's just a little too fast, it could be a little out of control. And so the, actually the best way to make a turn is to slow down as you approach the turn so you can really start to make the change. And the same is true here, too, that so many executives are used to charging full speed ahead. You know, the demands of their jobs and their lives are, are incredibly high. And really, as, especially as you're beginning a coaching engagement is a great opportunity to to slow down, to take stock of things, to decide the best path forward, and then really start moving in that direction. That's how that's how the best changes are made. Yeah, and it's 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 counterintuitive sometimes to the behavior of executive leadership each day because things do move so quickly. And I find that sometimes when just I'm working with folks in our academy, that it's it's hard to like downshift and actually slow down and 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 even stop for a little bit and do some thinking. But like you said, when you when you do take the turn slowly, you turn way more effectively than you do if you go through that turn recklessly. But it, it takes a little bit of mental intention to stop and recognize mm. I am going to need to go a little bit slower here in order to go further. Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's where great coaching comes into play is the coach can step in and say, you know, I, it seems like you have to move fast here, but if you slow down a little bit, you're going to be making better decisions and having a bigger impact and allowing others to come along the journey with you. And in the speed of the moment, it's very hard to see that. A great coach being a little bit outside you, but totally in your court can really be helpful. You've both been leading an agency that works with the top coaches in the world. You've seen a lot of coaching interactions, a ton of success in recent years. This The organization's growing. I'm curious, as you've had this experience of leadership, what, if anything, you've changed your mind on in the last few years around coaching and how leaders benefit from coaching. And so I'm curious from both of you, what, if anything, have you changed your mind on? Yeah. One thing that's really, that has been eye-opening is in the process of writing our book, Becoming Coachable. We really sat down to talk about what does it mean to be coachable? And I think prior to this book, I would have said that there are perhaps people who are uncoachable. That's a term we've been hearing a little bit more these days, you know, and I, it's a funny thing in, in really breaking this down, trying to understand what goes into the process of being a coachable person, a coachable leader. We now believe that anyone can make that change. And so I guess my mind has really changed in that way to say that we're all somewhere on that journey. There's hope for all of us. <laughs> mm, yeah. I, I think I think what's changed for me most is I I had always well, I'd always felt that leadership was was important. 
and that a lot of change came from good leaders. But as we've been doing this now for quite some time, I realized that all change comes from great leaders. And, and some of the greatest leaders create change, and you don't even know they are the ones who have created it. Uh, we talk in the book about a flourishing leader, and a flourishing leader uh, is not looking to create more value for themselves, but they're looking to create more value for everybody. Uh, and there's wonderful examples of leaders who have stepped out of the limelight and created the space for everybody around them to be at their absolute best. And it almost looks like the leader is not doing as much as another leader who's like always out there beating their chest. But I think that those leaders are creating extraordinary value. The flourishing leaders are creating extraordinary value. And the more of those leaders we have, and I think they they often get there through great coaching, the more of those leaders that we have, the more flourishing we're going to have on the planet, right? And flourishing is both the individual reaching their fullest balanced potential, having the people around them also feel full and and feeling like they have a good life and also being respectful of the planet. I mean, all of that comes from leadership. Scott Osman and Jacqueline Lane are co-authors along with Marshall Goldsmith of Becoming Coachable, Unleashing the Power of Executive Coaching to Transform Your Leadership and Life. Thank you both for all your work. So grateful. Thank you so much for having us, Dave. Thanks, Dave. It's been a great conversation. Whenever our Academy applications are open, I inevitably get a question from one or two people who ask, should I work with a coach or should I apply to the Academy? And I almost always come back to the analogy of thinking about the smartphones that we all carry around these days. Smartphones have two pieces of different kinds of software on them. They have the apps, of course, that we all use on our phone all the time. And then, of course, there's the operating system. And if you're anything like me, it seems like you get four or five or sometimes 10 app updates a day. And each one of those updates makes each app that it's updating either a little bit or in some cases a lot better individually on that app doing that thing better. And then a couple of times a year, often once a year, there's a big update to the entire operating system. That allows all the apps to work better. It sets the standard for the entire device so that it can do anything more effectively. And I think about coaching versus the academy is very similar to that. Coaching, really good at focusing in on one or two things that are very targeted, like an app update, if you will. The academy, much more of an operating system update, giving you the tools and resources to be able to do all kinds of things better in your leadership. Both are important, just like on the phone. It's just a matter of what's important now to focus on. If this conversation was helpful to you, several related episodes I'd recommend. One of them is episode 550, How to Win the Long Game When the Short Term Seems Bleak. Dory Clark was my guest on that episode. I was just talking about this episode with a friend earlier today and thinking about the message that Scott and Jacqueline have in the book that slow is smooth and smooth is fast. Sometimes we need to slow down in order to go faster. A good coach will encourage us to do that. Dory Clark, a great coach, encouraging us to, yes, be conscious of what's happening in the short term, but always have the eye to the long term. She's so gifted at doing that. Episode 550, if things are feeling really bleak right now in the short term for you and your career progression or where you are in your role, I think that's a really 
wonderful episode to listen to. I'd also recommend episode 576, How to Help People Engage in Growth. Whitney Johnson was my guest on that episode. We talked about the common, what she calls the S-curve, the common process that we all have in learning and growth, and the frustration and the challenge that we all go through in the normal process of learning. We talked about how do we not only help others to move through that in a way that's really effective and practical, but also how do we do that better for ourselves? A wonderful perspective on episode 576. And then I'd also finally recommend episode 599, a closely related topic to coaching, although different, mentoring. I talked with Robert Lefkowitz on that episode on the art of mentoring well. Bob, a recipient of the Nobel Prize and significant for that episode, also mentored someone who themselves won the Nobel Prize. A wonderful conversation about how he thinks about mentoring. So many lessons that I think about regularly, that conversation with Bob each week in my work and how I show up as a coach or a mentor or a consultant, depending on the hat I'm wearing at that time. Episode 599, for more of that perspective. All of those episodes, of course, you can find on the coachingforleaders.com website. If you haven't yet, I'm inviting you to set up your free membership at coachingforleaders.com. If you have your free membership, you know there's already a ton of resources in there, including the ability to search all of the past episodes by topic. And one of the key resources inside of the free membership is a whole series of free audio courses. Those aren't available on the public podcast apps, but they're there inside of the free membership. One of the many courses there is 10 Ways to Empower the People You Lead. I, When I put that course together, I went back into the catalog of all the episodes that I've aired since 2011 and picked 10, I thought, of the most helpful, useful moments from episodes over the years. If you've come to the podcast more recently, I think it's a wonderful place to start because you can really hear some of the guest experts from over the years who have come and shared some of, I think, some of the best ideas. I've captured them in that lesson or that, of course, rather, 10 Ways to Empower the People You Lead. If you set up your free membership, once you do, just go ahead and click on Courses. You'll see that that's one of the free audio courses available, plus tons of other benefits inside of the free membership. And if you are already a free member and you're looking for a bit more from me, one of the activities we're doing every single month is inviting a guest who has been on the podcast previously to sit down with a group of our Academy and Pro members for a live conversation. Unlike me asking the questions, though, it's our members asking questions of the experts directly. On video conference, we record them all, and those recordings are available to all of our members in Coaching for Leaders Plus, not only a new one each month, but the entire back catalog for several years now of all the guest experts we've had in conversation with our members directly. You can find out more about that benefit and many others inside Coaching for Leaders Plus by just going over to coachingforleaders.plus. Coaching for Leaders is edited by Andrew Kroger. Production support is provided by Sierra Priest. Next Monday, I'm glad to welcome William Yuri to the show. He's one of the top negotiation experts in the world. And we're going to be having a conversation about the three practices for thriving in negotiations. Join me for that conversation with William. Have a great week, and I'll see you back on Monday.